The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, we are inching closer to a return to the good stuff. Uh, that would be actual, like, live hockey games, even if there are no fans in the stands? Actual live professional hockey games with players we all recognize, um, although some of them may have quarantine beards and hair. Uh, I'm I'm wondering about that. Does this mean that they've started their playoff beards early or I mean, no, they started them on time. The games are just late. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, that's you can't really say that because some of those teams may or may not have made the play. And, if you're not sure, do you start a playoff yet? Is it, it go against the superstition, you know, of shaving your face? If your team at the end of the paw at the beginning of the pause wasn't necessarily a playoff team. That's that's uh-huh. an interesting question. <laughs> that said, it's sad, it, it's sad that that's an interesting question at this time of year. <laughs> you're not going to get any disagreement out of me on that one. Um, However, uh, I I would be fascinated to know if anyone's going to ask, say, I don't know, the Arizona Coyotes, that one, Um, because, yeah, as things stood, they were on the outside looking in when the season uh, went on hold. Yeah. And stop and and have one of those serious interviews with Phil Kessel or Taylor Hall. And oh, by the way, Phil Kessel, that's exactly a Phil Kessel question. By the way, Phil, just on the side, did you start your playoff beard early? <laughs> or or Connor McDavid. I mean, we're, he's known for that massive, thick playoff beard that, like, probably drops his speed like 10 percent because it's just so full. Could we have could we have substituted one of those two guys two guys into the the progressive commercial where Jamie is talking about his lush beard and the other yes. guy says to him, uh, "Do you know what a beard is? Do you?" Know what a beard is? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm seeing Phil Kessel in that block instead of Jamie. Look at my <laughs> luscious. Th- do you know what a beard is, Phil? Do you know? <laughs> and Phil, of course, sitting there going, "Of course I do. Look at this. It's patches here and patches here." And no, 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 no. I, no. Patches I, plays on a completely different team. He plays for Vegas, which, by the way, could be a segue into a story if we really wanted to go there. What's a segue? I thought it was one of those things mall cops stood on. Oh, you ride those things in the mall. Yeah, that's true. Um, or it could be a link to say the NHL doesn't do a very good job of securing where their hub cities are going to be. Wait, data leakage? That that would be so unusual. I'm thinking so Gary. Be- I'm thinking Gary Bettman sat down with uh, Tim Cook of Apple and said, "How do I not leak this story?" <laughs> yeah, because Apple is so good at keeping secrets, you know when they're going to release new product. Uh, But just to expand on that, yes, according to the NHL, they're not announcing their hub cities until June 22nd. However, 
a Larry Brooks. I believe it's a Larry Brooks story. It's a Larry Brooks, yeah. Of course, it's a Larry Brooks story. It's from New York Post, and he's about, he, it seems like he's the only writer in New York. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know how he writes it so much. I don't always agree with him, um, and sometimes I think some of his writing is flat out insane. But um, but somehow Larry seems to know that both the Rangers and the Islanders are both headed, are both, uh, as he put it, Vegas bound when and if competition begins in late July or early August. Um, they haven't announced host cities yet. However, I've seen multiple stories saying that Vegas is going to be one of the two. Yeah, that stuff happens. I mean, let's be honest. If you're picking a hub city, you yes. want... You want some place that's got a relatively uh, friendly arena, like camera friendly. You want some place that's probably either not going to get hot at all, or primed uh, or and built around the premise that it was going to be really, really hot um, and able to compensate for it. Um, you want some place with good, with flights, uh, direct flights in and out from almost everywhere. And then you want, um, you need a lot, a lot of hotel space, a lot. And And, and I understand that they have a lot of hotel. I, I understand that it works. My problem is, and I've also read this in places, if Vegas is one of your hub cities and, the Golden Knights make it into the playoffs. You're almost duty bound that you have to play them in the other hub city because yeah. the minute you allow them to play in their own building, it becomes a home. It becomes a home ice advantage, which yeah, but you, the only none way of to the, not do that is to either use one of the non-playoff cities, which just seems weird, um, or to use a neutral site, which seems even weirder. Uh, just a hunch, just a hunch. It's probably not going to be Seattle as the other choice. I, I don't think the other one's going to be a West coast city. I mean, I, I also saw an article where Vancouver is, uh, one of the, uh, one of the options. I don't think it's going to be another West coast city. I think it's going to be either Midwest or East. And, and I know that that's a big limb to walk out on. I get it, but Toronto was one of the cities listed. Um, I don't know about that one um, because uh, government there is still requiring uh, a 14 day quarantine for all individuals traveling there, uh, which also rules out Boston, which also which let's face it is Boston based on one of the one of the choices, though. I don't think I Boston was I don't think Between, Boston was one of the finalist cities. Uh, between hotel space, transportation options, and just uh, no, I and just the shutdown reason, um, and the th- how thick it how thick that issue is on the ground, both in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island and Connecticut, uh, rather Connecticut and New York, I, I just can't see either any of the three states getting a sniff at it, um, which means maybe. As a long shot, Carolina, um, because they're well outside it. They didn't have uh, as much difficulty. Um, 
we heard Columbus early on. A little bit less of that now. Um, you want to you want to talk about areas with lots of hotels and, and and lots of space? I mean, how is New Jersey set up? Could they play no. in New Jersey? You got Atlantic City with all the with all of the. Not that I want to see two gambling meccas be the host cities, but they're also going to be able to handle the influx of, of NHL personnel. I just don't know that if they're I just don't know logistically if they're close enough to a rink. Yes, the New Jersey uh, New Jersey Devils are not in, or are they? I do not believe they're in, but um So that would that would give them a city that would be a neutral site without compromising space or I mean New Jersey had the second highest number of cases um of total cases so I just don't see them being uh on the on the list um okay. I mean New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois and Massachusetts are the top 5 um once you eliminate all of those do you do you have a preference? I don't. I uh, I honestly don't have a preference. I think that uh, the arenas are reasonably similar in terms of lighting and uh, and capacity. Uh, well, capacity isn't really an issue. Um, I mean, if you're talking about interruptions, if you're worried about interruptions to at the setting. You might have to eliminate the two Florida sites simply because we'll be heading into hurricane season before uh, before the play uh, before the playoffs would end. Um, that probably eliminates uh, Dallas as as a city as well, um, and I mean, maybe Carolina. According to Larry Brooks, and he says it right here in the second paragraph, as the league previously has indicated, it would not allow a team to play at home. So the Golden Knights in the Western Conference will be located in the other hub city, which the NHL would like to name as Toronto if Canada drops that 14-day self-quarantine requirement. Yeah. So it's not just that Vegas got leaked. Is it possible that Toronto's been leaked as well? But if they don't drop it, they're just trying to find a backup. Well, maybe they're wait maybe I haven't paid that much attention to the situation in Canada or Toronto specifically. Maybe the twenty second is the next date of uh change action updates there. Um if one of our listeners knows, uh drop us a message. Uh those two or yeah, you can message us as those two at uh two man dot com or hit either one of us on Twitter. Um Uh, where else? Where else? I you would, know, I, actually, another place that makes a lot of sense is actually DC. Um, is that too, is that too cluttered though? I mean, it, it's no more cluttered than I mean, it's not really any more cluttered than using um, than using Toronto would be. I mean, Toronto is a five plus million person metropolis. The D.C. metro area is not nearly that deep. Um, 
and there's plenty of hotels and tur- there's plenty of hotels there and lots to do. Well, there's normally lots to do, but with most of the touristy stuff shut down, I can't imagine that they're lacking for hotel space at the moment. I do. I do like. I do like competing stories and. The Athletic, uh, Michael Russo and Joe Smith wrote a story uh, a few days ago, uh, June 13th. And in it, they said, uh, according to multiple sources, leagues met for the first time Friday, specifically about hub cities, and the players were told that Las Vegas was the front winner. However, nothing is official. They're expected to meet tomorrow to discuss hubs, but the NHLPA has not yet agreed to any hub city. And the multi-million dollar contracts needed to secure hotels, rinks, and restaurants have not been fully negotiated. So while sources say that Las Vegas uh, has chosen to be a has been chosen to be a hub, it's very premature and not the case. So I don't know where people are getting these stories. I don't know where Larry's getting his. I'm sure there's some leakage going on. Uh, it's oh, very difficult. I mean, both Larry and Russo are pretty well connected. <laughs> um, I, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if their competing sources are both accurate. Uh, I mean, officially, nothing's been announced yet. So, but they, yeah, almost everyone has to figure Vegas as one of the cities, just based they, on logistics and, um, and quite frankly, the ability. Yeah, pure logistics. Call it uh, any other factors are almost irrelevant. They they've done a lot of they've done a lot of digging according to this and they have two scenarios that they posit as a as a possible so scenario one is if the Canadian government relaxes or eliminates the country's mandatory 14 day quarantine for each NHL team's 50 person traveling party and league staff the likeliest hub scenario would be Las Vegas along with Toronto or Vancouver like I said I don't think it's going to be another West Coast city. I think it's going to be East or Midwest. Obviously, those are my really only two choices. I could say Central, but that would really be East. Scenario number two, if the Canadian government doesn't alter its rule, the likeliest hub scenario would be Las Vegas along with L.A. or Chicago. Again, not going with another West Coast city, so Chicago. And... I like the idea of Chicago. It's a hockey town, but where there's not going to be fans in the stands, does that play into it? Um, I don't think it does. Um, I mean, honestly, honestly, I think where they end up playing, aside from you know player comfort and just the infrastructure to handle, uh, let's see, we're talking. Um, what is it? 12 teams per conference. So 12 times 50, uh, give or t- uh, plus a few because some, some team will sneak in a couple of extra people. Um, it's only, I mean, it's only a few hundred people, Six, but 600 people. Yeah. Uh, no, 12, time, 12 times 50. Yeah. 600 people. I, I, I mean, just, I mean, it, it's interesting. The reason why I bring it, the reason, no, I was going to say, the reason why I bring it up is looking at these two scenarios, you either have Vegas plus another West Coast city or Vegas plus another original six city. 
Chicago and I Toronto mean, the are both the six cities are pretty uh, are are almost always going to come up by default anyways. I think that Pittsburgh has to be considered in the mix simply because of uh, their owner's influence. I think Pittsburgh's in the mix because Gary Bettman. I won't go there. I won't. <laughs> I did it last week. I won't do it again. <laughs> yes, you will. But uh, maybe finally, not this week. But you will do it again. Yes, probably. I can't. I can't say for certain in the future. It says finalists named in May, and yes, Boston is not one of them. It was Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton. Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. So no Boston, no New Jersey, no New York. They they kept the they kept the the really hard hit places. No Michigan. They did keep the really hard hit places out of the equation. Yeah. Which only makes sense. Um since we're talking about Chicago, mm-hmm. um, both of us saw the list of... See, you do know where the Segway is. <laughs> I told you, it's one of those little carts that they ride around on. They're not um, a they only have two wheels. <laughs> um, since we're talking about Chicago, uh, a list of the best 12 Blackhawks to wear uh, the number... Uh, was put out and well, it was the best players to wear that particular number, but 12 of them are 12 of them are Blackhawks. 12 of them wore the Blackhawks uniform at one point, sort of, kind of. I'm not an expert on things that happened uh, in hockey before I was born, but can you tell me how many times uh, Bobby Orr, um, was nominated for a Norris Trophy while he played for Chicago? Zero. Uh, how many scoring titles did he win? Zero. Uh, how many hat tricks did he have? Uh, I'm going to go with zero only because it seems to fit the theme. Okay. And um, let's see. I believe uh, all his Norris Trophies were with Boston. And go ahead and tell me um, how many all-star appearances did he make while he played for – while he was uh, property of Chicago? Again, going to go with zero. And do you know why that is? Because he barely played in Chicago. He played six games for the Chicago Blackhawks. That would that, that would be defined as barely, yeah. That would- six. <laughs> and somehow he is a Chicago Blackhawk for that. Well, he played 26 games. Uh, he, was, he played he was uh, the best to wear the number 76 season. Um, so zero playoff appearances under a quarter of a season. Um, and somehow he's a Chicago Blackhawk, according to second city hockey. Well, okay. First of all, second city hockey is a Chicago based Yes, it is. Product. Um, taking the best defenseman uh, in NHL history and claiming it as your own after 26 games, however, is criminal to me. He is a uh, Boston Bruin, and as the best to wear the number four, I would say that he belongs to Boston, not Chicago. 
where you know he actually won stuff and made the like, playoff, and the team like made the playoffs. Like eight Norris like eight Norris trophies and two Stanley Cups and uh, a couple of at least one MVP that I'm aware of. Uh, yeah, the Calder Memorial Trophy. A oh yeah, Rookie of the Year. Trophies. I almost forgot that one. An Art Ross, a Hart, a Con Smythe, oh, another Con Smythe, um, oh, another Art Ross, um, and a Lester B. Peterson. Uh, and he actually legitimately has more awards than years played. Yeah, but he's not a Bruin. He's a Blackhawk, so they get to claim him. Because he ended his career there with a whopping twenty six games. games. Yeah, okay. And um, twenty seven points. All right, Chicago, let it go. You don't get to claim him. <laughs> there, uh, are some, there are some. There are some interesting, interesting names on the list. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of more than a handful of other players to wit or number fifty. So Corey Crawford getting that one by. Not by default, but certainly by uh, general acclaim. Uh, okay, I can live with that. There are goaltenders that wear number 50, but then change them. He just never changed his. Well, they wear number 50 for like three weeks when they're called up the first time. Yeah. It, it, and then like they get Dan their new mask wearing number 80. Um, Stan mm-hmm. Mikita wearing number 21. Honestly... Um, but he number, wore it his whole he wore it his whole career. He wore it for twenty one years. Yes, <laughs> but how many other guys can you think of who really wore number twenty one? It just has never been that big of a hockey number in the first place, or it's certainly not in my. It's a time watching it's a, hockey. It's a popular number. The issue is that the people wearing it, I mean, aren't better than Stan Mikita. <laughs> Lots of them aren't even better than average. I mean, I can only think of like Andy Ferrance to wear it here in Boston, and I, much while, as I enjoyed watching him, I was going to say while I'm I love not Andy putting Ferenc, him into the Hall of Fame. No, his hand gesture maybe, but you know. <laughs> hey, he had a wardrobe malfunction. You heard him say so. Oh yes, that's right. It was a wardrobe issue. Yes. Uh some of these guys, it's like, it's like, how do you feel about a guy like Marion Hosa? He didn't, he wore number 81. He's going, you know, you got a guy like Bill Kessel who's worn 81 his whole career. Is he a yes. Hall of Famer? Arguably. Yeah. Marion Hosa wears 81, but not for his whole career. He started his career at number 18 and wore it for like 10 years. But obviously couldn't wear it in uh, Chicago because, well, other guys have. Well, some guy named Dennis Savard wore it and it was retired, I'm sure. And <laughs> I, I just I, I don't know how I feel about some of the some of the items. I mean, they claim Doug Gilmore and I think he spent most of his time in Chicago. Yes. Ninety eight to two. Th- no, he only spent two years in Chicago. Yeah. So he spent uh, I mean, most of his career where? In, like, Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's the fact that they have Chris Chelios in there, who wore number 24 uh, for 
the part of his career he's actually recognized for. And um, he, number and seven was Chicago. I mean, if you're going to make him the best number 24, he wore number 24 in Montreal. He wore it in Detroit. Uh, in Chicago, he wore number seven, it says here. Yes. So they're claiming him, but he didn't even win the award for the number he wore with that team? Yeah, I find that I, I, more than suspect. <laughs> Dominic Hasek, I mean, he spent his career in Buffalo. <laughs> uh, yeah, wait a minute. Dominic Hasek spent his career in Buffalo, won a cup with um, Dallas. No, Hasek won a cup. Oh, no, he got beaten in Dallas. Detroit. That's what it was. He won with the Detroit. cup in Detroit. Yeah. And somehow is being claimed by Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. I'm sorry. I know I'm laughing. I know I'm chuckling a lot during this show, but... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how else to react because you're claiming Bobby Orr, Chris Chelios, Dominic Hasek, uh, Doug it's Gilmore. Some, <laughs> I mean, I understand we miss hockey. There are some things that are a reach and some things that are a little bit, you know, entertaining and some things that just make you look like what falls out of the back end of bats. Guano. Um, and that level of crazy has been achieved. Yeah, it really, really has. And we talked about, and we talked about it pre-show. You know, number eighty-eight, Patrick Kane. The first outside of Patrick Kane, the only number eighty-eight that really comes to mind. I mean. I suppose if they did this award five years from now, you could say pasta here in Boston. But right now, no, I wouldn't. The only number 88 that really comes to mind, and they mentioned him, is Eric Lindros, who, as far as power forwards go in his early career up until his first concussion, was the dominant power forward. And that line that he was on, the Legion of Doom line with with John LeClaire – and um, I can never remember Ren uh, Renberg, Michael Sounds Renberg. Right. Yeah, I mean that line was ridiculous dominant. All three of them power forwards. None of them less than two twenty, two twenty five. All of them at least a couple inches over six feet. Uh, that line scared the heck out of everyone that they played against. But he he didn't he didn't do it long enough because once he started with the injuries he wasn't the same player. Not even close. And for uh, that I matter, mean, yes, that's why I would give it to Patrick Kane. I mean, this is a kid who's won what three Stanley Cups. Uh, did he win the? Did he win? Did he win he the? Did uh, win a scoring title at some point? Conn Smythe. Uh, he's got a. He's got a Richard. He's got. I believe he has one of the Conn Smites. Uh, I would have to say that you're right off the top of my head, but so yeah, I kind of have to give it. To yes, him. he's got he's got uh, he's done pretty well. You know, he's got a Calder Trophy, a Conn Smythe, an Art Ross, a Hart, and a Ted Lindsay. So we're making the argument here that when he's done, Hall of Fame might be a phone call he should be expecting. Uh, I would be beyond shocked. Um, and 
as a hockey fan, I would actually be mortified if he's not uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame within two years of eligibility. It's given the number of people who are going to retire between now and whenever he does. Mm-hmm. It's barely possible that he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, because, you know, we've got a lot of that uh, class of 03, which are only, you know, four years <laughs> older than him, who are going to be retiring. Um, and they're going to they're going to push some of the, they're going to push some of their own out uh, in the voting. Um, well, we have one of our own right here in Boston that's going to be. If he's not first ballot, something's wrong. Yeah, and I, in some ways, I feel the same way about Kane. Um, Kane has had more uh, individual achievement. I mean, well, no, I, well, he's had more team achievement. Um, well, yeah, he's still he's still an amazing individual player. Uh, I'm not uh, taking that. I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, I I totally agree. I mean, yes, from an individual standpoint. How do you argue with four Selkie trophies? Uh, clearly you, the best. You don't argue the, with four individual trophies of any kind. Um, particularly not when they're multiple years. Ever, I if, you're, if you're, if I, if you had to come down to a vote between Patrice Bergeron and Patrick Kane for the last, for one spot in the hall of fame, you can make the argument I'm not saying it's a good argument, but you can make the argument that you have to go with Bergeron because he achieved his trophies over multiple years. Three of Kane's five trophies came in one season. Uh, okay. They came in the 15-16 year. Bergeron's came out came over a four or five year period, um, and obviously neither one of them is uh, retired yet. So who knows what's going to happen uh, in the future. I think for the fact that it was over a span of years as opposed to in one year puts in, puts uh, Patrice, even though he doesn't have multiple Stanley Cups. And that's not his career is not over. Could happen again. They've been to the they've been to the final twice since then. I think that the longevity they had a aspect puts him. <laughs> Okay, I can't go off on Batman, but you can go off on Tuka. Well, that's not that I I go off on Tuka too, so I guess I can't make that argument either. Damn, I'm losing all around today. Uh, <laughs> who was the Who was the player to best wear number thirty seven? Hmm. <laughs> that's and be- can and can Chicago claim him? <laughs> uh, give it five years, and I'm sure they'll try. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't claim other uh, such players. I mean, it's a it's it's a it's an impressive list when you look at this number list, by the way. And I'm not just talking about Blackhawks or any one team in particular. But yeah, some of these numbers, uh, some of the players that are wearing these numbers, it's like, yeah, okay, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. Um, Absolutely. Um, uh, oh, well, we're we're since we're still in Chicago, kind of mostly, maybe sort of. Okay. Um, Danny Wirtz 
is our is Chicago's interim president. Hey, which is sort of amusing. There, isn't their owner like Rocky Wirtz? You know, I think he is. I wonder. I wonder if they've ever met. It just it it it, it sounds similar. So I'm thinking maybe there's a relationship there. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'd have to double check that, and I I definitely want to verify it uh, between the two of them. Maybe do like an ancestry test, but uh, I'm sorry, not the is he the owner or just the chairman, Mister Rocky Words? It says uh, chairman both. in the article. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but Danny Words has been getting uh, credit for helping invigorate the team, I guess, during this uh, interruption in the year. Um, There's complimentary uh, conversation with um, Patrick Kane. There's talk of uh, energy of energy by Colleton and by um, Bowman We've seen something similar, although from the general manager's office in uh, in Phoenix uh, or Arizona. Um, should the NHL get younger behind the scenes as they have um, on the ice? I mean, well, 15, nothing. 18 years ago, all of the league stars were like 28, 30, 32. Now they're like... 20, 22, 24. Now they're stars as rookies. 18, 19, 20. Should they they get young? Should they get? Sorry. uh, Should they get younger behind the scenes? Well, my best example would be John Chaco. Uh, I mean, another good example, um, not necessarily a great example, but certainly a team that is in a better place than it was when he arrived is Toronto. Uh, Kyle Dubas, uh, he's a very young uh, executive and I want to necessarily think the team is (laughs) perfectly constructed. (laughs) They are at least making the playoffs now, which they were not doing before he arrived or certainly not consistently. Um, uh, yes, but they're not uh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, all right, they'll ma- they're making the playoffs. They didn't, but they did it before Dubas. I mean, the first not year consistently. They they did it under Shanahan, and then Shanahan turned over the reins to Dubas. I haven't seen the longevity from him yet that I've seen Archeka, and I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Arizona did the one thing that most franchises either shy away from or completely disregard, and that's giving the GM time to do what he needs to do, time to put his plan into action and make it work. Most franchises would not have given John that kind of time. I think the fact that they're in a smaller market and the fact that they're kind of laying in the weeds. It it allowed them to give him that time. I get it. But he started out as what? A 39 year old. 
No, I thought he was. Oh, oh, was he younger than that? And he's thirty nine now. I'd have to look it up. I thought he, he was younger than that because he's been in place like five years, six years at this point. Uh, give me a second. But I mean, this is a guy who, and now the team is not scraping the cap floor. They're were, they're bouncing off the cap ceiling at this point, and without too much in the way of you know, picked up salary for a guy who's retired in all but name. Um, well, they're, they're starting to shed those contracts. I mean, he did make deals like bringing in Pavel Datsuk, which okay, clearly so, No, Jonathan Cheka is 31 years old today. Oh, he's 31 he now. Was, he was 20. When he was named general manager, he was 26. 26, yeah. He was okay. named assistant general manager at 25. So you want to talk about getting younger behind the scenes. Arizona is ahead of the curve. And I mean, he's he's also since uh, July of 17, he's also president of hockey operations. Um, So he's in theory his own boss. And uh, that's that's a lot of he's still got to answer to the owner. I mean, if the owner uh, wants everyone answers to the owner. But there you go. Uh, but this is a this is a team that's yeah he ownership there went out on a limb because nothing else was working and they're getting they're getting results they're gonna be a playoff team this year they I think they probably would have been even without the expanded playoff uh, inclusion um. But he's built the team. He's managed to get big names onto the roster, big names who are still at a high level of function. Um, I'm not 100% sure that the roster is built to go to a conference final. Uh, but I think that there's enough on that roster to work with and that if they go out and get a um, – if they go out and get a round of wins, um, you know, if they go beat their first round opponent wherever the playoffs are played this year, you're going to get more notice from free agents. You're going to be able to bring in guys or like Taylor Hall, retain guys who otherwise w- who would not have been available to you three years ago. They would have told their agents, no. Yeah, Arizona is not my one of my destinations. I get, and I wasn't trying to turn this into a, a I wasn't trying to turn this into an Arizona thing. And I, I'll get back to Danny in a second. But with John, it, it's he seems to be he doesn't seem to be hamstrung by. It's not an organ. How do I put this? It's not an organization that like Boston, where the fans expect you to win now. So you're constantly moving younger players to bring in proven veterans, so that you're constantly in the playoffs year after year. He's got a little bit of cachet, as well as time where he can bring in younger players. I think that that might actually be hamstringing him a little, though, because. At some point, you have to make a decision. You know, you're either going to go with proven veterans and a couple of youngsters, or you're completely blowing it up and going all youngsters with a couple of veterans. Danny, on the other hand, in Chicago, has already got a team that's aging, and this is my issue with Danny. It's twofold. The first thing with Danny is that, and it says right here in the article, 
uh, he is where where Wirtz ends up in the front office position wise remains unclear. The search for a president to replace McDonough technically is still in effect. So he doesn't actually have the job. He has it now. He's the he's the owner's son and part owner. Even without the job, he has a good amount of influence. He's been listed as an active. How did they put it? The Hawks website describes him as an active advisor for the past decade. Yeah. So he's still behind, like you said, behind the scenes. He still has opinions and they're being listened to. The other issue, and we talked about this pre-show, is while he's getting accolades from players and and coaches, especially Kane and Colleton, who are calling him bright young mind and and really energetic, and Kane gives him credit for helping him become a better player and a better person, what the one paragraph that bugs me is on the hockey side. Bowman said his reshaping of the team will wait until the offseason whenever that arrives, but he did hint that the Hawks' roster-building strategy, which focused on supplementing their aging core with equally aging free agents, might ultimately be included in the new push to innovate and change some things. How are you innovating and changing if you're doing more of the same? That's where we uh, differ on interpretation of that, uh, that paragraph. What I think is that's going to be on the high on the list of things that need to be changed uh, in Wurtz's mind on the um, uh, during the offseason, whenever it actually lands. And the way I'm reading that sentence is that. Well, you're wrong. The, but I'm not in this case. No, if, you, if you read you it, certainly are wrong. No, I'm not. If you read this, if you read that paragraph, it says. The Hawks' roster-building strategy focused on supplementing aging core with equally aging free agents might ultimately be included in the new push. So they're yes, not the changing anything. Towards innovation. You're, you're, where is it? Uh, where is the article? They're not changing anything. No, you're, you're just not reading the sentence correctly. Oh, I, okay. Because I don't know how to read English. I, I've only... You know, been reading it all my life. In this case, you're I. Where is not it? wrong. I In this case, I'm not wrong, but I appreciate Maybe you trying writer, to tell me. Well, you are wrong, but it it's written messily. Okay, let's blame the author. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, ultimately, I think that this is a good idea. They need a you need somebody in the position, whether you give them the title of interim or whether you make him the president straight away. You need somebody in the position. You're not. I mean, Stan Bowman's not going to be president and GM. So he's got marketing background, as you pointed out to me. And marketing is marketing, whether it's a hockey team or alcoholic beverages. I get it. I think it's a good move. Ultimately, I want to see a I want to see them settle on whether he's going to be GM or not. Just making him I mean, president or not, just making him president is like, okay, we did this again, like I said, to get somebody in the position. They need a lot of work. 
They are old. Oh, they they need a lot of work. I mean, you've still got some good years out of Kane uh, in the future. I think you've got a couple of good years left uh, from Taze. But Beyond after that, that, what do you got? To, I mean, to bring it, you got uh, there's no, Kubalik. I don't think there's anyone over 30 on the team other than those two that should be in the team's plans for three years from now. Or even one year from now. I mean, they just brought back Andrew Shaw at the trade deadline. And that's one of the <laughs> flat-out dumb things they've been doing for the last eight or nine years. The, I mean, I understand the allure. I mean, he was doing—he was actually doing well in Montreal. I'm not saying that he was a superstar, but he was doing well in Montreal. He was scoring goals. He was being the pest that he normally is. So let's bring him back again and be the pest again. But playing into that same uh, same plan of bringing back aging veterans to complement aging veterans. At some point, yeah, you, unfortunately, you have to get young. If that means I, I don't want to see them do what Detroit's doing. Uh, I don't think Eisenman really has a choice at this point. But No, that there was <laughs> nothing to build from there. I think Eisenman's doing all that he can just to figure out what he's got. I think he needs to start with evaluation, and that's what he's doing. There's not even much to evaluate. There's <laughs> like four roster players worth keeping in Detroit, and that's and that's without calling any of them necessarily foundation pieces that you can consider to be a part of your franchise for the next six or seven years without needing upgrading or replacement. Um, and that might, that number might be high and none of them are on defense. Yeah, they don't have, they don't, they don't have that cornerstone D. I mean, you've got, you can Dylan Larkin, Anthony Manta, and who is, I don't know. Robbie, I, are Robbie Fabry and Tyler Bertuzzi your next best forwards? If they are, why haven't I wish, you just canceled the franchise? And I wish Athanasio would live up to his potential. I mean, there's a kid that I would love to have seen in a Bruins uniform. And maybe a change of scenery for him might be another good thing. I know that Eiserman's kind of holding on to him. I, I would guess that if he gets the right offer, he would certainly make it. But uh, um, you could pretty much say that for anybody on that team. And, that, and there's the thing. There's no one who should be off limits to trade offers. Uh, but I, who aside from Larkin and Mantha, uh, do you think they've gotten phone calls on Adam Ernie and Brendan Perlini? Not Perlini. Uh Adam Ernie, just because he's he was he was in Tampa Bay before getting to Detroit, and that's probably why Eisenman brought him in because he's seen what Ernie's capable of. I I believe Adam Ernie was either a draft pick or acquisition under under Eisenman in Tampa Bay. I if they're fielding phone calls. Uh, it's going to be for just about everybody. Uh, I think that he might say no to anything for Dylan. 
I don't know that you go anywhere beyond that, and I didn't want to make this into a Detroit thing either, but... Eh, it happens. Especially with us. <laughs> it happens with you. No, us, because you delve off into the realm of, of uh, ether and conjecture. No way. I don't know. I I think that I think that outside of Larkin, there's really nobody else that he should be saying no to if the right deal comes along. And that includes players like Jimmy Howard, if if he can move him. Uh, I think Jimmy's retiring. I really, really do. He seemed to be taking a touch longer than usual to get back from his latest injury. I also think that Eisenman hasn't moved him because he doesn't have anything else to put in net. Jonathan Bernier is a nice backup, but that's what he is. He was a backup in L.A. He was a backup in Toronto. He's a backup. But as far as Denny Wirtz is concerned, I wish him the best of luck. Uh, I hope that they're not just putting him in there as a, as a place saver. Uh, they they need to make a decision on this because yeah hockey's starting up again but you always need to be thinking about next season. Um, realistically, for hockey, you need to be thinking like four seasons at a time. Um, there's just so much that needs to get done over the course of um, both the drafting issue the. Uh, the development and and well everything else that yeah it's you need to be looking at now and four seasons from now and anyone <clears throat> anyone attempting to evaluate beyond that point is out of their flipping mind there's way too many variables <laughs> where around the NHL do we go next a really good question. Um, as I, 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 as I said, pre-show, the closer we seem to be getting to live hockey again, the less there are stories up. <laughs> um, well, we can go local uh, really briefly. The uh, Bruins have had a couple of practices, you know, small session practices. Mm-hmm. Um, Has anybody one of them uh, featuring featuring Zdeno Chara, John Moore, and Par Lindholm, um, which gives us three p- three players who we're reasonably sure did not test positive for the thing, and then test negative twice more, and well, still un- require isolation. Unfortunately, it was reported that one player did did um, have a positive test. But I read somewhere that they retested and it came back negative? Twice. Retested and came back negative twice. But they're still going with the full lockdown procedure for... Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. How do, how do you... What do you take away from it then? You had one positive, two negatives. Uh, my advice... I would call that... I would say that first one is probably a false, ne- uh, a false uh, positive. Uh, and the play- given that the player has been asymptomatic thing that's what i was gonna say he's st- he is still asymptomatic they clearly and obviously have not named the player on but they do speculate that 
or not speculate. They do say that it's a player who has not been to practice yet. So well, yes, I don't know how many have actually been to practices. I have not gone and pulled up a full list of of players that have attended or not attended. Uh, phase three is supposed to begin on July 10th. That's when they start full training camps uh, with the hope of getting games underway early August. Which would be very nice to see. Uh, hey, those of us, uh, those of us who have summer birthdays, um, although not you this year, um, will actually get to see, may actually get to see a hockey game on their birthday. <laughs> Something I literally never thought I would ever see, or even even consider talking you, about. You may get to see a game on your birthday. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I do, I will have a drink for, well, all of our listeners. Fair enough. Possibly not one for each. I mean, I can drink, but not quite that much. Um, <laughs> but certainly one in spirit. Um, but the ca- but the practices are underway here. I saw similar stories in other places. Um, knowing that there's not going to be a start until the middle of not next month, but the month after how engaged do you think the players really are at these practices? Mm, They're all saying the right things. I mean, multiple tweets have come out from players saying, yeah, I'm finally back on the ice, getting to skate again, you know, back to work. Um, Marshawn tweeted out that it was time to get back to work uh, the day before the practices opened. Oh yes, and I don't I don't blame them. I think they they're all happy to be back and think, at least have minimal contact with uh, with some of their friends and coworkers. I think right now in the early stages of back on the ice, I don't think it's full blown all out. I think right now it's getting skating legs under them again, uh, working on hand, hand eye things and, and, and working on just general stuff. I mean, they're, they're out there, they're practicing, but I don't think it's full blown energy yet. I don't think it's really 100% engaged yet. I think it's still, everybody's getting back together and, and, I think as it ramps up and we get closer to that phase three, you're going to see more energy. And when they get to those full training camps, you're going to see fully engaged players. Right now, I don't think that they're fully – their mindset is fully into it. They're glad to be back, but my impression is that they're working their way up to it. Uh, I would have to agree there. I I just don't see – one, I don't see it possible to get to full energy when you're limited to seeing just three or four guys um or you know maybe five six guys at a time uh it's just not going to be the same vibe as having the whole team there um and that's the i, I think yeah, that, you, the small groups is is probably hindering that energy a little bit as well i think that by the end uh, or by the middle of of by the middle of July, we'll see that return to that vibrance of normal 
even play, uh, even, uh, normal energy for, uh, for the preseason. Yeah. Although it's going to be the preseason to the postseason, which makes absolutely no sense, but that's how it's going to work. Uh, speaking of Bruins, something that I read, and we don't even have it on our roster, but I wanted to bring it up. They have named um, finalists, or the teams have named finalists for the Masterton Award, and the Bruins have named... Kevin Miller for That's the Masterton? Not surprising. Uh, for that the award, man hasn't uh, been on the ice in like a season and a half. And that's the point. Uh, it's the award for dedication to the sport and uh, overcoming stuff. And I'll use stuff advisedly since he's had a horrible, horrible, horrible couple of month, a couple of years of injuries and idiot I, setbacks. Um, I don't know that. Uh, I, wow, that was unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't going that far away that fast, really. Um, I don't know that. He, is he coming back? I mean, he's had he had the knee injury, then he re-injured it. Well, there was the infection in the knee as well. Uh, I just, uh, I wonder, from I what, wonder from, what from his mind has said, they didn't project him to be back this year, getting into the lockdown. Okay. Um, with the, with all of the extra time, since effectively games are going to start about the time that players are start skating for, uh, the new season, normally, he may well at least dress for a couple of games, whether he actually plays in them or not. He may well end up dressed. Uh, so you, you think that he will make a comeback and he will be back on the ice playing hockey? I think that there is potential there, uh, but... The award isn't even about uh, playing again. Um, it, it's about no, the I'm not saying work. I'm not saying in relation to the award. I mean, I didn't understand it at first because I've seen other players who won it and they were still playing it. So it confused me a little that they were nominating him. I get his perseverance and his uh, drive because I would assume that as a hockey player and having played the sport – yeah, the hockey players are are a different animal, and even when we're hurt, we want to be on the ice. We want to be playing the game. It, it, it's not a choice. That's why you see players go off in the dressing room and come back ten minutes later with seven stitches in their mouth. But they want to be on the ice. They don't want to miss a shift. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think that. I think that he's going to keep coming back as long as he's not told in really blunt terms that he's going to, you know, lose the leg or something like that. If uh, he doesn't stop trying to remain a per a professional athlete, mm-hmm. um, it, it's is simply what I expect from guys like that. Um, that said, 
just because it, there's the potential for him to be playing again in the NHL next year doesn't mean he would necessarily be playing again in the NHL next year uh, in the spoke to be. But he's also the other thing is, is he not a free agent? Yes, he will be a UFA uh, whenever they deem the season ended. Okay. I mean, I just, I, I don't, it, not my favorite Bruin, not my least favorite Bruin. I don't want, but I don't want to see him moved on because he couldn't get himself back on the ice. I mean, if he gets outplayed by others, I get it, but. You know what? Sometimes your career ends in a way you don't. I mean, no, no one wants their career to end. It's just not the way that competitive people work. Uh, right. But sometimes your career ends in surgery versus but um, are you, in, in, the, in a game. But are you a believer in losing your job, losing your position due to injury? Or should you get the chance to get it back? There's injury and then there's multiple extended time off. I mean – that's a good point. Too. Connor Clifton has, you know, effectively been on the roster for a year and a half now. Um, and he's played like he deserves to be him. there. I would probably still take Kevin Miller over John Moore. Um, but we've also seen one or two of the other young guys step <laughs> in a, and play well. I mean, Jeremy, you got a guy like Jeremy Lozon, who's clearly played like he belongs in his limited amount of time. Yes. Uh doesn't look like he's out of place. I mean, there have been some guys, uh, Jakobs Borrell, um, who don't look like they're ready for the NHL yet. <laughs> but no, Lozon um, has played. You've got Connor Clifton. I mean, yeah, the, at this point in time, how many guys have surpassed Kevin Miller is my question. That's uh, And you still have Steve Camper hanging around as well. That's true. He's still the seventh defenseman in most situations. And you know what? He's really good at being the seventh defenseman. He looks like he hasn't missed a game by the end of his third shift. Uh, when he gets back on the ice, um, whatever else they do, if there's an opportunity to keep him at a manageable salary, um, I, I would strongly, strongly consider, holding on to camper. I didn't want him to leave the first time. I thought he was mishandled um, during that cup run. Uh, But he's been to a couple of organizations in his time away from Boston. Yes. Um, Anything else on the docket for this, uh, this morning? Nothing official on the list. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, things just end when they end, I think this week's show might be one of those things. Uh, I can live with that. Um, we've had a lot of long rambly shows in the last couple of weeks. Um, today we have a short rambly show. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll look for more stuff to talk about for next week. Um, as always, you can find me at uh, PuckSage on Twitter. Um, you can find uh, our Facebook page, um Face uh, slash uh, two man four check, Chris. Uh, hashtag the off wing on on Twitter. Yay! Um, until next time.